0: All right. good morning, Journey. How are you guys today? Hey, I'm excited to be kicking off a brand new series with you today uh, that we're calling Thankful. So, I think you can probably tell right off the bat that it is a series on being a thankful person. And we're going to walk through for a couple of weeks exactly what the Bible says to us about being thankful people. And I don't know about you, but I struggle at this. Like, I struggle to be a thankful person. I'm pretty quick to just complete a task or to get something and to move on. something else. And being thankful often requires you to stop and to be still just for a moment and realize the things that have been going on for you or around you or to you. And so I want you guys right now to just stop right now. I want you to think about one thing that you're thankful for. All right. You ready? Just one thing you're thankful for. That's it. Just one. All all you need to think about is It could be the person next to you. Uh, It may not be. If it's not, don't tell them right. Just one. You got it. When you got that one thing, if you would, just hold your hand up in the air. You got that one thing. Here, we're going to say them all together. All right? You ready? So in just a second, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to say, I'm thankful for, and I want you to fill in the blank. Don't worry about the people beside you hearing what you have to say. All right? They're they're going to be saying their own thing. They're not going to hear anything that you have to say. Some of you are freaking out right now, but I want you to try it, and I guarantee you, it won't change your life, but you'll feel a little better leaving today. All right? One, two, three. I'm thankful for? Right? The majority of those are really good things. So I'm glad that you are thankful for them. It it is a challenge, again, for me to be a thankful person. So what I've done is I have a document that I work through. That sounds really exciting, right? That I work through every morning. And so I I normally get up around 5.30, and I get up before uh, anyone else in my house when I'm actually... Uh, doing this well and I get up and I'll open up my Bible and i read a little while and then I open up my iPad and I have a document that I put together on there and every day one of the things I feel out as I start my day is I finish that statement the same one that we we just finished today I am thankful for and it forces me to stop and actually to think through the things that I have in my life and I can just tell you that if I did not have that if I didn't go through that practice every day, then I would go an entire year, and we would get to Thanksgiving, and we would do the whole around the table thing, right, what are you thankful for, and I would come up with something, and I'd make something up that was was probably better than my brothers made up, right, you try to one-up them, and we go through that whole process, and I literally could go an entire year without ever saying thank you to God or to anyone else in my life, because I just don't slow down enough to think about it. And it forces me and it forced you just now that regardless of what's going on around you, it forced you to stop and to think about what God had done in the way that He had blessed you. Look, I want you to know just before we dive in today that being thankful has absolutely nothing to do with the circumstances surrounding your life. You being a thankful person is not dependent on your life going the way that you want it to go. It is not dependent on life being good, on your marriage being perfect, on your finances doing well. Us being thankful people can happen in any, any area of life and no matter what's going on in our life. With that in mind, let's look at this verse in Thessalonians. It says this Be thankful, look, wait, when? In all circumstances. It didn't say be thankful when things are good. It didn't say be thankful as long as your dreams are coming true or as long as your plans are being successful, but rather be thankful in all circumstances, no matter what's going on in your life, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Look, it has nothing to do, again, with the situations in your life. Uh, I've heard a story of one guy and lived the story with another guy. I want, I want to share these with you about people who had a chance to be thankful and they were in the same situation in life, but one proved to be thankful and one proved that he was not so thankful. So Susie was was a mom. She moved into a new home and she'd been in her home for a couple of days and there was a knock, right? There's a knock on her door in the middle of the day and so she goes, she opens the door and there's a guy standing there. He's kind of, kind of dressed shabbily, looks like he maybe Uh, be a homeless guy. He's holding a crate with some fruit and some vegetables that are far past their their prime. They are ripe plus a few days. And he asked her if she would like to buy some fruit and vegetables. So he Susie, would you like to buy some fruit and vegetables? And she's a little taken aback. His eyes are also a little glossed over. looks like maybe he had been drinking a little too much the night before. And so she uh, kindly tells him no and shuts the door quickly. And the next week at the same time, same guy, knocks on the door again. Asks, hey, ma'am, would you like to buy some fruit and some vegetables? Goes through the same process. Well, over a period of weeks, she begins to, to know the guy just a little bit, and she realizes that his eyes are glassed over, not because he's been drinking too much, but because he has cataracts. And so she begins to see a little bit about who he is behind the shabby clothes and behind the cataract eyes, and she gets to know him, and, and he's a kind guy who is simply just trying to make a little money to survive. And she never does buy any fruit or vegetables, but every now now and then she'll, she'll give him some stuff. And so months later, it's getting cold, and she thinks we probably should take care of, of him a little bit. And she goes and collects some clothes from friends and from neighbors, and she goes and takes them where she knows he sleeps every night, and he's not there, and she leaves them. And so he comes to the door uh, the next week, knocks on the door, opens the door, and he asks the same question he always asks, would you like to buy some, some vegetables or some fruit? To which she responds the same, no, I wouldn't like to buy any day, but did you get the clothes that I left for you? And he said, Miss Susie, I sure did. Listen to what he said. And just yesterday, I met someone who could use them. I got them. I got the gift that you gave for me. And yesterday, I met someone who could use them more than I could. And he had passed them on. Now, one area we were at in ministry, my wife and I, was was in a town in South Alabama, and it was... uh, it was rampant with drug use and with homelessness. And so it was constantly kind of an in and out. And from time to time, we would do things uh, to help those who didn't have anything in the area. And there were times that God would place it on other people's hearts, and they would just go begin doing stuff. And, and one of those was a, was a young kid that was growing up through our kids' ministry. He was a, a kid named Robert. And, man, he had the biggest heart. He was one of the biggest kids you ever met. But uh, you could look at him wrong and make him cry, right? You could just crush his heart. He had a massive heart and he cared about people, he loved the Lord, and it was about to have our first freeze of the year, and so he got to thinking about this homeless guy that he saw in the same street, same corner, every single week, and so he went to his mom, he goes, hey, let's buy him some stuff, and so they went, and they bought him a sleeping bag, and they bought him some, some uh, pajamas to sleep in, and they bought him stuff just to keep him warm, the, the things hunters put in their hands, right, to keep them warm, the hot pockets, whatever they are, they bought a bunch of those, and and anything they could think that, that someone might need to stay warm. And so he, got to, he dropped it off, and they took it to the homeless guy. He goes, thank you. Right, I really appreciate everything that you guys have done for me. And the next day, they're driving down the street, and everything they have given him is on the side in the corner of the road. And he had cut out a cardboard box, and on it said, for sale. <laughs> he was selling everything that they had been given. Listen, which one of those do you think? One of those said, thank you. One of those did not. But which one do you think was truly thankful? Right? Our, our thankfulness is not just a matter of speaking. It's not just a matter of our outward actions. In fact, you can't fake thankfulness. You can't fake your way into it. You can say the words, but most time people will see right through it. In fact, thankfulness is something that wells up from the inside and the overflow determines the way that we speak and the way that we act to others. It's not something that you do that changes your heart. It's your heart changing and it changes what you do. Matter of fact, jot it down this way. Thankfulness is not an outward action that changes our inward attitude. It's an inward attitude that overflows into our actions. And so my attitude, my thankfulness, is determining what I do and what I say. It's not able, It's not me saying, you know what, I'm just going to write a list today and I'm going to make sure I tell everybody that I'm thankful and you'll be good for about a day at it and then you'll fall back into the same pattern that you were in before because who you are is... Determines what you do and what you say and how you live. Look, we're going to look at a verse in Colossians or a passage in Colossians today. It, it's written by a guy named Paul. And if anybody has ever lived out the truth that your circumstances uh, do not have to determine your thankfulness, it was this guy. And so Paul was an early persecutor of the church. The church has started up. Jesus had returned to heaven. Church was starting to spread. And Paul is a guy that doesn't necessarily like the spread of the church. So he's living against it. And, and, and there's some, some lead-in from Scripture that leads you to think that if he did not directly uh, take someone's life for following Jesus, he certainly had a hand in it on multiple occasions. So he's doing whatever he can to stop the growth of the church. And then God gets his attention. He's on a road to a place called Damascus. He sees a bright light. All of a sudden, he's blinded. And Jesus literally speaks to him in an audible voice and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I don't know what that would do for you. That would scare me into following Jesus. It did absolutely the same thing for Paul. And his life made a complete 180. He went from someone who was doing everything he could to stop the spread of the name of Jesus to someone who was doing everything he could to spread the name of Jesus. And now people didn't like him. And so some people came up to him. Paul, if you continue to preach this message, we're going to arrest you and throw you into prison. He's sold out to God. He continues to preach the message. They hold true to their word. They arrest him. They throw him into prison. Paul appeals to a place called Rome. He's basically telling the lower-level folks, look, I don't want you to determine what's happening to me. Take me to the top dog. So they send him to Rome, to Caesar. He's going to hear his trial in Rome. And so he's there. He's in a prison. He's in Rome. And he writes the letter that we're about to read in Colossians. So he's writing to a church. And in the book, from prison... Over and over again, he's reminding the church, look, I want you to remember to be thankful. Remember everything that God has done for you, and remember everything that you have to be thankful for. So I want you to know, he's not writing this from a place where everything is going well. He isn't looking into the future somehow and going, one day there's going to be a group of people in Prattful and they're going to read what I wrote. Man, I'm excited about the way God is going to use this. Here's a guy that is in prison, probably being badly treated, probably chained to another person or to a wall, and he writes a letter to a bunch of people reminding them, but we should be very, very thankful for everything that God has done for us and everything He's given us in this life. So with that in mind, remember where we're at. He pins these words in Colossians chapter 3. He says, Then let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body you are called to live in peace. Look and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom He gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Did you see it over and over again? Just in three short verses, He's reminding the people, look, I want you to remember that you should be living lives of thankfulness. Don't forget what God has done for you. Don't forget what He's done for you. And so we're going to pull a few things from here. And the first one is this. I want you to understand that peace leads to thankfulness. That it's ultimately peace that leads to thankfulness. And so if our life is full of turmoil and it's full of chaos, then we're probably not going to be really thankful for what's going on in our life. And I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but the craziness of the holidays, they've already arrived. Right? That Thanksgiving is on Thursday. But I went to Target on Tuesday of last week and the craziness was already out in full force. You know what I'm talking about? Look, Target was ready for it though. They doubled the amount of lanes they had open. So instead of two, they had four. And so they really prepared for it. And so there's only 20 of us in each line. And, and people, people get a little rude around the holidays. They're not necessarily thankful for the ability to buy presents and the extra income they had to bless somebody else. They're a little irritated, right? So they're, they're mean with their buggies. And you're in line, and there's no personal space, right? They're right up on top of you, and you don't know whether to be nice or whether to be mean. It's like, I'm going to strike up a conversation or rip your buggy to shreds one or the other. I don't know what to do. And it's already the craziness already happened. Some of you guys right now, you're sitting in your chair, and you're thinking, man, I can't wait to get to Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday. right? I'm excited about people coming to my place, or I'm excited about going to their place. And there are others of you in the room that are like, dear Lord, if Thursday did not happen, I would be okay right because you're going to walk in to pure craziness. It's going to be chaos wherever it is that you're going. And I want you to know this. Look, if our life is full of chaos, if it's full of chaos, then very rarely are we ever going to be thankful. In fact, jot these few things down. It's it's hard, almost impossible to be thankful if your life is full of stress. It's almost impossible If you're someone who is constantly stressed out, then you're going to be constantly be thinking about the things that you are stressed about and not considering the things that you have to be thankful for. And so if you're someone who goes home and you take work home with you, and you're constantly thinking about what you should be leaving at the office and you're worried about where you're not, you're even going to have a job when you go back or you're worried about whether or not you got enough done or if you should be doing this or if your boss is happy with you or if the product you're about to release is actually going to make it or if the business is even going to survive and you create this kind of stressful environment and if you're constantly living in that, If you're in a place where you're constantly worried about whether or not your marriage is going to make it or whether or not your kids are going to be successful, and by successful, I mean whether or not they're even going to graduate high school, right? You're constantly in that area, and you're someone who is constantly dealing with stress. You will never be thankful because stress and thankfulness cannot coincide. They cannot exist at the same time. So if our life is full of of stress, then very rarely will we be thankful people. If your life is full of complaining... If your life is full of complaining, then you won't be a thankful person. Look, I know you don't always choose what happens in your life, but you do always choose the way you respond to it, right? And so complaining is never something that anyone else has caused you to do. It's something that you've chosen to do. And so anytime you start complaining, listen, if your kids left... Uh, their room messy, and the dining room messy, and the living room messy, and you stepped on a Lego in the kitchen and kicked a baby doll on the way to the bathroom, they made a lot of mistakes, but you going off the handle and complaining about it was your choice, right? They, They did not make you complain. You chose to respond to a bad situation by complaining, and when we're choosing to complain, we can't choose to be thankful. We can't do it. The book of James says that Fresh water and salt water can't come from the same place. And listen, thankfulness and complaining can't come from the same mouth. It can't exist. And so when we're choosing to complain and to be difficult people, we're cutting off the opportunity that we have to actually be thankful. Listen, jot this third thing down too. It's almost impossible to be thankful when your life is full of unresolved issues. When your life is full of unresolved issues. Listen, some of you don't want to go to Thanksgiving Thursday because you're going to walk through the door and see someone that you've been mad at for the last ten years. Listen, for the sake of yourself and your family and that person, for heaven's sakes, deal with it. Right? Deal with it. You will not be thankful as long as there's a multitude of unresolved issues in your life. You will not experience peace if you're living a life full of stress, a life full of complaining, and a life full of unresolved issues. Listen, solve the issue, stop complaining, and deal with the stress in your life. And here's the only possible way to do it the only way to have peace in life and to live a life that is not filled with stress, complaining, and unresolved issues is to submit your life fully to the rule of Jesus. You got to choose to submit your life fully to the rule of Jesus. Listen, and when Jesus is calling the shots. And when he's making the decisions, there's no need to be stressed out. How was Paul locked in a prison and not stressed out about what was going to happen to him? It was because it was his God who was calling the shots. And if the people chose to execute him, then Paul was going to be with his God. So what what could go wrong? Either way, he knew that God was going to be lifted up and that he was going to be glorified. And when he was on the road to Damascus, he chose to surrender his life to Jesus, and that meant that now Jesus, you call the shots, and whatever you do, I'm going to be okay with it. Whatever you do, I'm going to be okay with it, and let me just listen. At the end of the service today, I'm going to ask some of you that are in the room that have never surrendered your life to Jesus. We're going to talk about that. That's where you can find ultimate peace, and you're going to have a chance to accept the peace that can only be found through having a right relationship with God. You can't find it anywhere else, but I want you to know on the front end that when you ask Him to be your Savior, you're also inviting Him to be your Lord, which means now He has control of your life. He's got control of it, and He will not always deal with situations the way that you want Him to. He won't do it. Matter of fact, you will find Him doing things that are counterproductive to what you want to do. I remember going into ministry, and the first few years of ministry... I got to travel and go to different places and speak. And one of the places I always ended up was in Mobile, and I hated it. I did not like Mobile, Alabama. And uh, I didn't know why, but every time I got there and opened my door, it smelled like fish, and I just couldn't stand it. I remember literally saying out loud to multiple people, I will never live in Mobile, Alabama. And so about seven years after that, I'm in a moving truck, and we're on our way to Mobile, and we're pulling in to where it is. That we're moving, and it turns out I kind of like the place. I love living on the Gulf Coast, I love having uh, the beach close, and the fact that you could get good seafood at a number of restaurants, and, and you could pretty much eat anything that you wanted to. It's kind of a foodie place down in Mobile, so really, really enjoyed being there. And I loved it so much that after being there for about three years, I remember one day sitting in my living room looking at my wife and going, I don't think I'll ever move back to central Alabama. <laughs> We live here now. I don't know if you guys know. We actually live here. We don't commute from Mobile, but we actually live here. Look, and I thought back through all of those situations, and it wasn't just those, but multiple times in life, God was doing things and sending me places where I was going, God, I don't know that I even want to be there. Like, if I was calling the shots, this is not what I would do or where I would go. But now I look back, right, and I see the timeline, and I see how every single thing that I would have done different, God was using to bring me exactly where I am Right now, listen, and I am thankful and I'm grateful for everything God has ever done in my life as my Lord, not just my Savior, even when I didn't understand what He was doing. When you accept Him as Lord, listen, you can have ultimate peace because the God that created the universe all of a sudden is the God calling the shots for your life. Jesus put it this way uh, in the book of, of Matthew. He said this, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Look, seek first. That's Him. He's in first place. But seek first His kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. you see the, the solution for stress and complaining? If God's calling the shots, I don't have to worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When you invite Jesus to be your Lord and you invite him to be your Savior and he starts calling the shots, listen, there is a peace about life. There's a peace about life because he said, look, there is absolutely nothing that you have to worry about. If you seek after me, I'm going to take care of the rest. Now, I don't want you to miss this. This don't mean you go through life just happy-go-lucky, nothing's ever wrong and whatever comes my way. I'm just going to take it. Listen, hear me. I want you to jot it down. It's possible to be content. It's possible to be content with us in a situation. It's possible to be content in it, but not content with it. Right? Don't miss this. I want you to miss it. It's possible to be content in it. In other words, hey, I'm having really bad money problems, and I'm okay with that if that's where God wants me to be, but I'm going to work. I'm content in it, but I'm not content with it. I'm going to work so that that becomes better. You got it? So whatever situation you're facing in life. I would bet that Paul wasn't just sitting in prison going, huh, I wonder if I'm going to get out. I would imagine he was doing everything that he could to one day experience freedom so that he could continue to share the gospel of Jesus. It is possible for you, for each person in this room to be content whatever situation you're at in life, but not necessarily be content with it because you can keep working and you can keep moving and you can keep improving. So listen, thankfulness comes from peace and it's peace that ultimately leads to thankfulness and when I have that peace, it will lead me to serve and to care for others. When I have that peace in my life, it will lead me to serve and to care for others. Look at what Paul did in Colossians. He said, look, I want you guys to understand you need the peace. You need the peace of Jesus ruling your hearts. That is where it's going to start. And then he invites them to be a part of serving one another. He says, look, I don't want you to miss this. I want you to start showing thankfulness by the way that you care. For other people. And so when we have thankfulness in our hearts and we understand that Christ has died for us, it it overflows, if you will, into our actions. But to say we're thankful and to never back it up with our actions makes us a liar. You can't say that you appreciate everything that your spouse does for you and never show them that you're thankful and truly be thankful. You get, does, does that make sense? You can't just say it, but you actually have to follow it up. And you can't just think it. Listen, if you think good thoughts about somebody, then tell them. They're doing no good in your head. They're absolutely no good for anyone else. If you love everybody in this room, and you just come in in complete silence, and walk out in complete silence, you've done absolutely nothing for everybody that you love in the room. For heaven's sakes, put words to it. Man, if you're thankful for somebody holding the door, tell them thankful. If you're thankful for a waitress that keeps your glass full, then tell her that you're thankful for them. You actually have to put actions to your thoughts for thankfulness to be true and for it to be, be carried out. Jot down, there's a couple ways that it will, it will be seen. One, it will be seen in our words. It will be seen in our words. My heart will always be seen in my actions, and part of my actions is exactly uh, how I choose to, to use my words. Listen, you can tell a lot about someone when you go out to eat with them. I don't know do you guys like to eat out. Just raise your hand. You like to eat out. I love to eat out. I really love eating out when someone else is paying for it. And so anytime my parents come into town, they're, they're like, Where do you want to go eat? And I'm like, Somewhere expensive. It doesn't matter. Wherever it is, go pick somewhere it's expensive. And we go. But listen, I love having meetings over lunch because everybody has to eat, right? Everybody's going to eat either breakfast or lunch or dinner. They're eating at least one of those. And so I love taking people out and just hanging out with them and getting to know a little bit more about them, maybe casting some vision about who we are as a church or about where they could plug in and fit in. And you learn a lot about people at a restaurant and you learn even more about them by the way that they treat the waitress. Because seemingly, when I'm sitting in a booth or a table and someone is coming to serve me, they're seemingly below me and the way that I treat them says a whole lot about me. It says a whole lot about me. Listen, I've had some awkward moments. Awkward moments. None of them have been with any of you guys, by the way. Uh, Let me go ahead. You can breathe. If if we've gone out to eat, I'm not talking about you, I promise. I've been out to eat, though. There's people really close to me, and their drink gets empty, and obviously the waiter or waitress is running circles around the restaurant. I don't know. Maybe they're understaffed. Maybe they're just having a bad day, and the glass gets empty, and instead of waiting patiently or waving them down, they will hold their glass up in the air and begin to shake it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Listen, that doesn't make you smart. That makes you a jerk. All right? Don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. They shake it. And then when the waitress comes over and the waitress goes, I'm sorry, sir, do you need something else to drink? Well, I did five minutes ago. Look, this is a whole lot. This is a whole lot about the condition of your heart. Listen, in your heart will always show itself in your actions. And if God has gotten a hold of your heart and he has transformed it, look, it will change the way that you speak. All of a sudden, you will be thankful. You will be thankful for the fact that you live in a society where someone actually goes and cooks your food, prepares it for you, and brings it and sets it down in front of you like you're some sort of king or queen. That, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. That's something we should be thankful for not something we should be rude to people over. And, and when that heart begins to transform and I become a thankful person, it changes the way that I use my words. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians. He said, Do not use foul look, or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Let's reread that. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Look, I don't know about you, but when I look at my own life and my own heart, that isn't always the case. But Paul is saying as a follower of Jesus, as someone whose heart and life has been transformed by Him, everything that you say should be good and helpful and encouragement to those who hear them. God's transformed my heart. I'm experiencing the peace of Jesus. It changes the way I think. Listen, it also changes the way that I act. We'll become thankful in our actions. Galatians, he said it this way. He said, share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. Look, don't miss this. Maybe underlined it. If you think you are too important to help someone... You are only fooling yourself. Listen, you are not that important. That's God, not me. Look, don't get mad at me. That's God. Go and look, if you think that you're too important to help someone, then you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. No matter who you are, you're not too important to help someone who is in need. Listen, and when God has transformed my heart, I'm living at peace with Him. I'm going to help and serve other people. I'm going to help and serve other people and the last thing we see in the passage in Colossians is this is that thankfulness will lead me to share in Jesus's mission it'll lead me to share in Jesus's mission if we're truly thankful for the salvation that God has offered us listen we will share it with other people. if we truly appreciate, what God has done for us. The fact that Jesus chose, as someone who lived without sin, chose to give his life for those of us who live with sin all of the time so that we could be in a right relationship with God. If you truly appreciate that, it'll be shown in your willingness to share it with other people. But listen, the opposite of thankfulness is not grumbling. The opposite of thankfulness is entitlement. And I'm afraid too often in the church, we begin to almost feel entitled that that's what he was supposed to do. That, that that's what he was supposed to do. Because if he didn't, then what was going to happen with us? Well, that wasn't his responsibility. We're sinners because of choices that we've made. It wasn't anything that he did. And so he didn't owe us anything, but he chose to give it to us anyway. And so I look at that and I go, man, if he chose to give me a free gift that has transformed my heart and transformed my life, then how much must I hate other people not to share that free gift with them? Man, why would I not want to share that if I have something that can transform your heart and your life, man, I want you to have it. I want you to have it. He put it this way uh, in his letter to the Corinthians. He said, we are Christ's ambassadors. Meaning every, everything that we do in life, everything we do, people are seeing Jesus in us. So we are Christ's ambassadors. And God is making His appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through, through Christ. There's a pastor named, named Daryl who used to pastor a church in, in Mobile quite a few years ago. He pastored a church called Dolphin, Dolphin Way Baptist, and he'd been there for years. If you've driven down the interstate through through Mobile, maybe you've gone down and hit I-10, then, then you've driven past it at some point, and uh, it's a church that's had an impact in the area for, for a long time, and a lot of the reasons was, was this guy, a guy named, named Daryl, led them to make tremendous inroads with the gospel in the area. But God called him at, at some point in time to move to Texas. Well, there are a lot of people in Texas, right? A lot of people, and way more people in Texas than there are in Alabama, and so that means there's a lot of lost people in Texas. So God called him to Texas to share the gospel. And so he went, and his first Sunday at his church, he laid out his vision, He said, hey, I want you guys to know that this is where God has called me to be. And over the next however many years he wants me to be here, here are the things that we're going to strive to accomplish as a church. He got done. He was down front. People were coming by. Man, hey, pastor, we're glad you're here. And we're excited about the vision uh, that God has given you and so forth and so on. But in the back of the room, a lady made eye contact with him. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're shaking hands. There's a lot of people who want to talk to you. But if someone makes eye contact, it's normally not for a good reason. Right? So she makes eye contact, back of the room. She starts walking toward him. Never does she look off or down or to the side or up or around, something just to break the tension. But she stares at him all the way down. She gets to Pastor Darrell and she looks at him. She goes, the last pastor was horrible. But at least we didn't have to listen to jump like that every week. Right, So welcome to Texas, Pastor. I'm really glad really glad that you're here. And so he went home a little dejected. You can imagine, it didn't matter how many people said something good, but if you're a communicator, you're going to hang on to the one negative thing that is said. So he takes that home with him. He's a little bit upset. Don't know why God would have that lady say that to him, but little did he know that God was about to start revival that week in that church, but it was going to be through something that no one imagined. So floods came in later that week, and and all throughout the town he was in were these massive concrete drainage ditches. And so as the water began to flood in, these ditches began to fill up with water. And so as they filled up with water, there was a group of kids in a backyard that thought, you know what would be fun is to build a raft out of styrofoam to put it in this drainage ditch and to treat it like we're going down rapids. And so that sounds like a great idea, right? That's what they did. So they got a bunch of styrofoam from their, their backyard. I don't know why it was there, And they put it all together and they made a raft. And three kids got onto a styrofoam raft and they began to go down small rapids in a concrete drainage ditch and pretty soon the raft began to break apart. Well, one of the boys that was on uh, that raft could not swim. And he was the boy that went to Daryl's church. And the only way that he got there was that, that every Sunday someone would load up in a bus and they would go and they would pick him up and the first time they ever pulled up into his yard, the father came out and told the people driving the bus, listen, you can take my child anytime you want to, but don't ever come into my house talking to me about Jesus. Right, I don't want to hear it. And so you can pick him up. He's welcome to go. He can go. You can bring him home. And then you can do it on Sunday, Wednesday, Friday. It doesn't matter. You come get him whenever you want. You can talk to him. You can share with him, play with him. And you bring him home. Don't ever step foot in my house talking about Jesus. I don't want to hear anything about it so this little boy, that little boy that went to the church, heard the gospel, and responded to it, eventually is on the raft when it breaks apart. And every kid but him gets out, and they run back home. And they tell their dad what's going on. They say, hey, listen, we made this raft, we put it in the ditch, it began to break apart, and now he's still there. He's still in the water. And so the dad runs out, cranks his truck up, runs up the road in his vehicle, pulls over an overpass where he knows that his son will be coming up under the ditch. And sure enough, his son is fighting to keep his head above water and he jumps and he grabs a rope out of the back of his truck. Listen, at this point, he's talking to Pastor Darrell Robertson. And he says, I threw the rope over the bridge and he looked up with tears in his eyes and he said, and the rope was not long enough. The rope was not long enough. Listen, they recovered his body a couple of hours later. Listen, it, it's a sad story, but through tragedy, dad came to know Jesus. Mom came to know Jesus. Every other kid in that house began a relationship with Jesus. And it didn't matter what the lady in the back of the room said. God started a revival that began to change a city. It began to change a city. Listen, but I won't ever forget reading those words for the first time and thinking, man, how often do we throw out ropes? There are people drowning around you everywhere. It may not be in water. It's in life. And how often do we throw out ropes that aren't long enough? They're not long enough. Listen, the only rope that is long enough is the gospel. That's, that's the only thing that is going to save someone. That's the only thing that's going to give them ultimate peace. That's the only thing that's going to have an impact on their eternity. That's it. That's the only thing. And so oftentimes we're throwing out ropes that don't matter, man. If you just live on a budget. but no, No, they do need to live on a budget, but what they really need is Jesus. That's what they need. They need the person of Jesus to transform who they are from the inside out because just changing someone's behavior will never ultimately change their life. You have to change who they are. Listen, you can't do it. Jesus can. He can. And so the rope that we should be offering, listen, us as a church and you as an individual, is the gospel of Jesus. And when I'm thankful for the sacrifice that God has made for me and the fact that Jesus has died for my sin and taken my place, then that's what I'm going to offer. I'm going to offer the person of Jesus because I know it's ultimately Him who is going to change their life. Got these last couple of thoughts down as we, we conclude for today. Here's a couple of truths to, to take home. The first one is this is the beauty of the gospel is that I don't deserve anything good I've gotten. I don't deserve anything good. In fact, the Bible says this. It says that the wages of sin is death, and I know that I'm a sinful person. Look, I know you, hopefully you think I'm a good guy, but I know the sin that is in my heart and in my life and thoughts that I think and the things that I do that nobody else sees, or I know that, and you know the same thing about yourself. I don't have to convince you that you're a sinful person. Each and every person in this room knows that they don't live up exactly to what God wants them to do, and the Bible says that the wages of that, the wages of you being a sinful person... Is death. That's the only thing that I deserve. So the fact that I get up every morning is something to be thankful about because I don't deserve it. The fact that I have a wife and a daughter, and a place to live, and, and a nice car to drive with a broken tail light. The police officer pointed that out, right? All that stuff. That's, that's stuff I have to be thankful for, right? You can complain or you can go, hey, thanks for keeping us safe, right? And so that's it. That's stuff to be thankful for. The fact that I have parents that love me, right? The fact that I have. Extra money in the bank, the fact that I have a wife that's a servant, the fact that I have nieces and nephews, all that I don't deserve any of that. I don't I don't deserve to have all nice clothes. Not one thing I have do I deserve. Only thing I deserve is death. That's it. And so everything good that I have is a gift from God. It's absolutely nothing that I deserve. I don't deserve anything good I've gotten. Listen, but what I actually deserve, Jesus has taken for me. That's why you can be thankful. Because you don't deserve anything good that you have. And the one thing that you deserve to get is bad. And Jesus chose to take that for you. He chose to take it for you. We have peace with God because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. He didn't deserve to die, but he chose to die in your spot and in your place. Listen, so you can be thankful for everything you have in life, no matter your situation, because no matter how good or how bad it might seem at the moment, everything that you have you don't deserve. It is all all a gift. From God, he has a couple of takeaways, a couple of thoughts, next steps for you as we wrap up. And the first one is this: is that if you've never began that relationship with God, the, the next step for you is clear: is to discover the peace that can only be found in Jesus. That's it. You need to discover what true peace is. I don't know where you're looking for it. Maybe you need a big bank account, or maybe for you, you're just trying to graduate, or maybe. Maybe you want your family to be successful, or maybe that next promotion or another zero on your check is what you're searching or what you're after, or maybe you're after a a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or a spouse. You think, if I get married, then it's going to change, change my life. It will change your life. Listen, it will not make you a thankful person. What you have is two people that aren't thankful for one another. Listen, true peace, true peace is only found in the person of Jesus. And it's only found when you choose to surrender your life to Him. And so the next step for anyone in this room that has never made a decision to follow Jesus is to surrender your life to Him. Listen, I can promise you this. It's a decision that you will never regret because whatever happens in your life, you can be a person at peace because you know who's calling the shots. You can. Maybe you're here and you made that decision years ago. But you look at your life and you think, man, my life is anything but peace. In fact, I'm controlled by the circumstances around me then your next step is this. is to rediscover. It's to rediscover the peace that God offers by dealing with the sin in your life. So you got to deal with those unresolved issues. you got to. Jesus made it clear. He said, hey, man, if you come to the altar and, and you're worshiping me and you're offering a gift, and all of a sudden you remember, man, Cousin Eddie has something against me. He said, man, leave the gift leave the gift, and go deal with the problem. And a lot of us who have made a decision to follow Jesus don't have peace in our life because we're not allowing Him to be Lord and living by His standards. And so if you want to rediscover peace, then deal with the sin. Deal with what's going on in your life. Listen, you'll rediscover it brand new. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, love you. God, thank you for the fact that you move. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you that, that it addresses things such as, as being thankful. Lord, things that, that seem to be simple, but Lord, things that are difficult, but things that will, will truly change our life. God, I pray for those who are in this room right now, the ones who have never experienced the peace that you have to offer or the new life. Lord, right now, would you speak to them? Would you draw them to yourself? God, give them the courage to respond, bring about new life. Hey, if that's you, if you would, just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. But if you're in the room this morning and you say, you know what, that's me. I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. Like, I'm not asking if you've been coming to church, but but you would say, you know what, I've never made that decision, never fully surrendered my life to Him and experienced the forgiveness and peace that He has to offer And that's a decision I want to make today. If that's you, would you just lift your hand real quick? I don't want to embarrass you. It's just me and you. Anyone in the room? Today I want to to ask Jesus to be my Lord. See guys, there's a lot of believers in here. And maybe you made that decision years ago, but what we just talked about at the end, you go, that's me, man, my life is chaotic. And it certainly is not identified by by a kind of inward peace. And today you would say, "Man, I, that's what I want. I want peace in my heart to lead to thankfulness in my life." If that's you, if that's you, you say, "Look, I want to do what's necessary. I'm going to deal with problems if that means dealing with them. I want to pray for you. Would you just lift your hand? I'm to, I'll, hands all over the room. I see you guys. I got you, Lord. Thank you so much for who you are." God, I thank you that your word never returns void, and right now you're speaking to to a lot of people in this room. God, would you give us the courage to deal with whatever is in our life that's distracting us from you? And God, as we follow you and as we live for you and as we allow you not just to be our Savior but our Lord, would you give us the peace that only comes from you? In Jesus' name, amen.